What a great day uh, we have had, and it is great to be with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, be opening up to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, have you ever choked? I don't mean like on a hot dog. I mean in, in an activity in life. Have, have, you ever, have you ever set out to do something that you were more than capable of doing, but, but something in, in your head defeated you before you ever got there? Those same type of things happen in athletic competitions all the time, don't they? Where, where, where we start to play these head games with ourselves. I, I, probably the, the, the greatest feat of choking I've ever experienced in my life uh, happened in my life when I was a senior in high school. Uh, I, I was competing for the Missouri State Oratory Competition in Jefferson City, Missouri. No, in Columbia, Missouri is, is where we were. Um, it was the best of the best. Um, high school speak students who were giving their speeches. Uh, mine was on how to be a true success. Uh, I could probably still give you part of that, uh, that speech that was just ingrained in my mind. I got some trophies uh, along the way. was the, the district champion, and uh, quite honestly, I thought I would be the state champ. Uh, I did really well. Matter of fact, in, in the second round of that tournament, I actually defeated the, the people who wound up being uh, first, second, and third in, in, the, final, in the final vote getting uh, from, from, from the final round. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up that I, I, did, I did really well, but I, I didn't even place. I didn't even place. I told you I beat the guy who was first, second, and third, right? But, but I didn't place because I didn't get to go to the finals. See, I did so well in the second round, but in the first round, I did so poorly, like I was dead last, that I couldn't overcome that to get into the finals. And I thought about that, and I thought, what in the world happened? Well, I, I didn't lose because I didn't have a good speech and, and I didn't lose because I, I wasn't determined in what I was going to do. I lost because, and, and this may sound funny, but, but I came into that university setting and these big buildings and every, everybody there were very professional and they all brought their A game and I completely choked. See, I lost in my mind long before we ever got to the competition and in our text here in First Peter, there is this, there is this admonition to Christians who, who are about to set out in, in regards to the struggles of life, right? They're about to find themselves under persecution and, and the test of whether or not their faith is going to endure. And, and before we ever get to that endurance part, which is, which is really powerful stuff, and I'm looking forward to it, Peter spends this entire first chapter saying, I want to talk about your mind. I want to talk about what do you need to be thinking about before you go to the big game? What needs to be at the forefront of your mind if you're going to overcome, if you're going to have victory? And what he's telling us here is, I want you to be thinking about your salvation. Not to just assume those things, I want you to spend some serious time in your life dwelling upon not just your relationship with God, but the salvation that you have in Christ. And we've been walking through this, this first chapter, and that's essentially what he's been telling them, right? 
uh, all the way, kind of a concluding thought in verse 9, obtaining as to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. He says it's a salvation that even when the prophets would prophesy of these things, they, they wanted to know what in the world we were talking about, and they didn't fully understand. Angels didn't even understand this idea that God would save people, or how would God save people. But he's saying to us, but you're actually living this. This thing that's so easy for us to take for granted, he says, don't take it for granted. I want you to dwell on these things. We pick up tonight in verse 13, and he's going to continue this idea of of thinking about our salvation when he says, therefore, gird your minds for action. See, he says, you need to get your head straight. You, you, you need to prepare yourself up here. If you're going to endure, you need to, to get yourself ready. Keep sober in your spirit. These are serious thoughts. They're not just passing thoughts. I think about how often that my own salvation has become a passing thought in my mind. Paul says, or Peter says, that's the mistake. These are sober thoughts. These are things that you need to think about diligently as you fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to spend some time thinking about the end goal. Where are we going? And if I will think about where we are going, I will think about my salvation in this moment, but ultimately my, my salvation at the coming of the Lord and to be driven towards that goal. Where are we going? What, what, what is the end of all of this? There's coming a day when the Lord is going to return. There's coming a day when God is going to take his children home with him. I want you to think about that, and I don't just want you to acknowledge it. I want you to be driven and encouraged by that reality. You, you've might have heard the, the statement, um, some people are so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. Anybody ever heard that statement? Just me? No? I, sometimes people will say that, and, and, and I kind of understand what they're trying to say, but, but I don't think we have those issues too often. I think far more often we, we don't think about heaven enough. Over in Colossians chapter 1, or excuse me, in Colossians chapter 3, we're given this admonition. This is Colossians 3 and verse 1. He says, If then you have been raised up with Christ, then keep seeking things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. See, it's so easy for me to set my mind on the things of this earth. And when I do, I tend to get distracted. Not, not tend to get, I get distracted. Whether, whether we're thinking about our current physical realities or we're thinking about our, our social realities or we're thinking about it's very broad, right? Just the things of this. He says, hey, no, I want you to look at the things above. See, all this stuff that's happening in our world, all this stuff that can have this impact on you, this is that hostility, that hostile world thing we're talking about. 
It may or may not happen, but if it does, listen, that's not where my hope is. My, my, my hope is not in fixing this world. I'd like, I want this world to be fixed. I want to be as big a part of that as I can. But if the whole world falls apart, if my whole life falls apart, well, that's not where my hope is. My hope is above. Fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I read this first chapter, I just get over and over this message. I want you to think deeply about your salvation, about your relationship with God, about your home that is in heaven. What are those goals that are before you as, as obedient children? Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. You know, uh, I think Paul sees, he speaks about those, the, the, those former lusts of which we are now ashamed. Right? No, it's, maybe it's the Hebrew writer that actually says that. But, 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 but those things that we all understand, the, the, those sinful things that we have embraced in our life, don't focus on those things. Don't be conformed to those things. Why? Because those things don't help me get to the end goal. If I'm thinking about the end goal of going to be with the Lord for all of eternity, those things that are all about the fulfillment of my flesh in this moment... Well, that's not going to help me get there. That's actually going to hurt me from getting there. Instead, he says, but like the Holy One. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Because it is written, for you shall be holy, for I am holy. One of the reasons that holiness is a, such a concern, it, I think... Holiness is a, is a misunderstood concept in our world where sometimes people think that a call to holiness is just this thing that's designed to control man. That's not God's desire. Do you know why God's so concerned about your holiness? Because he wants you to spend eternity with him. He's not just trying to control us. You're not just trying to control your children's behavior. You're wanting them to bring about a good result. He says that's why you need to think about holy things rather than fleshly things because that's how you get to the end goal. And if you don't focus on those holy things, it's, go it's going to keep you from that goal. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, I mean, if, if that's who really who we are, right? We have a father. Then conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. Don't say you have a father, but don't act like you have a father. That's what he's saying to us as Christians, right? Focus on this. Why? I want you to think, why is holiness important? Why is, is talking about him as our heavenly father so significant? Because I'm acknowledging that sense of authority, right? And, and not only that sense of authority, I'm acknowledging what he's done for me, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. I want you to think, I want you to dwell upon what does it take in order for you to be a Christian? Who, who would claim to be a Christian in this room? Curious. Raise your hand if you would claim to be a Christian. Okay. 
So what does it take? What, 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 what exactly has to happen in order for Tony Dasher to raise his hand and say, I'm a Christian? See, that's an easy thing, right? Well, of course, we're a Christian. We're here on right? but, but, but he says, back up, think about it. It's not a light statement. When I raise my hand and I say, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, but the only way I can make that statement is because there's been a price that's been paid for me. And it's not $10,000 or $100,000 or a million. It's the blood of the perfect Son of God. And short of that, how many of you can raise your hand and say, I'm a Christian with a home in heaven above? None. None of us, right? That thing that's so easily rolled, of course, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but there's a price that's been paid. And he said, I want you to think about it. Not just so that you'll give thanks, but so you'll be motivated by that. Those moments in your life when you realize that there are people who have sacrificed for you. Aren't those monumental moments, right? I mean, I always always think about, you know, as a teenager, I never really understood the idea of my parents sacrificing for me. And when I was in my mid-20s, it clicked in my head, right? That they actually gave things up so that I could have things. And it was like, man, man, I don't just want to be appreciative of that. I, I I want to be changed by those things. That's what he's saying about Christ. I want you to dwell on your salvation and what exactly it took for you to be able to make that statement, I am a Christian. For he was foreknown. This is how great of a sacrifice this is, right? It's not a flippant thing, not like, well, we just kind of work this out. Some people people even talk about Jesus' death as like an accident. That's insane, okay? That's not reading the Bible. He says, "Who he who was foreknown before the foundation of the world but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Who, who through him are believers in God. Why did Jesus come to this world? See, we, I mean, all of our life we've known that, okay, Jesus is the Son of God, and he, and he, came, he took on human flesh, and he came, and he lived, in, he lived in the flesh, and he died in the death and the burial and the resurrection. We, I mean, we, we, we understand all that. But Why? Jesus is in the place that we say we spend our life trying to get to, right? Why did he do that? For the sake of you. Like to take it out of the the whole world. I know that's a true statement, but he did that for me who through him are believers in God. Like all this about how I'm a Christian and I believe in him and he's been raised from the dead and I believe that, I can, that man can be raised from the dead and to glorify him so that your faith and your hope, they are in God. See, it's just, one, it's just this idea, this is, once again, the Hebrew letter has, has some parallels here, but if he died for you, do, do you think that now he won't fulfill his promises to you? Of, of course, that'd be silly. He's paid the ultimate price. Of course, he's going to walk with you. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again. Once again, how does, how does it impact us? It impacts us in the way that we love one another from the heart. 
Born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. Not, not, not this temporary thing, not this thing that can be taken away. Through the living and the abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the, like the flower of grass, and the grass withers and the flower falls off. It's all of those things that sometimes we, we think drive us, will make us something, will, will, will give us endurance. And, and what happens to them? They fail. Even those things that, that make us feel better in the moment, right? We know that, that they ultimately fail. Uh, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, there's a lectureship at Fried Hartman this week, and you can access all that online. There's a schedule on the back, but, but their focus is on the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and, and that, that whole thing of, he's saying, well, well maybe, maybe the answer to all of this is money. Or maybe the answer to all this is pleasure. Or maybe the answer to all this is knowledge and wisdom, right? And Solomon's this interesting character where he actually explores all of those things. And what, what does he find in the end? Vanity. All is vanity. I mean, it comes up short. D- d- does that mean that that your physical health isn't a good thing? No, it's a very great thing to have. Does it mean that, you know, it, it, it's, it's not good to have a bunch of money? No, I mean, it, it, you can get a lot of good out of, out, of, out of some possessions, right? Does that mean that pleasure, you know, doesn't do anything for us? No, pleasure is pretty great. But he, what he's saying is that they don't last. We've all tried to walk down that road to find momentary fulfillment only to be disappointed. And he says, when we talk about the salvation that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that's imperishable. But the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Dwell upon your salvation. We're in the middle of a fight in the world, in our personal lives, in our family lives. But before we ever get out there on the playing field, we we need to make sure that our mind is in the right place. Because if our mind's not in the right place, we will have lost before we ever started. So he says, he says to them, he says to them, Fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You spend some time in serious thought and meditation upon your salvation, and that will change you. That will allow you to become holy as He is holy. You, you neglect those things, you take those things for granted, And you will drift farther and farther away from what he desires for you to be. Set your mind on the things above. If you know not about salvation, if you you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, if you do not know at this very moment that there is a home that is waiting for you in heaven above, and if the whole world burned up, it would be okay because this isn't our home anyways. If you don't know those things, then he invites you to come and find out about them. Come and be born again to obey the gospel, to repent, to be baptized, to, to have your sins washed away to tear down those obstacles that will take our mind 
off the things of this world as our final destination and put them where they really belong, on the things that will come after this world. Let's put our minds right. If you have a need this evening, you come as we stand and as we sing.